Welcome to season two of The Reflection. We started this series in March 2020 after the announcement of the lockdown and COVID-19 began to change the world. For 20 weeks, academics, activists and journalists joined us to discuss everything from the UK government's mishandling of the pandemic, the growth of conspiracies, Black Lives Matter and what it was like to bear witness to the growth of existing local and global inequalities. For this season, our guests will be reflecting on the political climate of the past year and we'll be talking to authors who have released books in 2020 concerning matters of race and class. Welcome to another episode of Surviving Society's Reflection Series. We are really excited today to be joined in the studio with Dr Joy White, (laughs) who is lecturer in applied social studies at the University of Bedfordshire and author of I think I reckon it's probably in my it's my top three books of 2020. I cite it a lot. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot. Top three books of 2020 at Surviving Society. It's in fully in our yeah, yeah, SS yeah, yeah, yeah. canon. Terraformed young black lives in the inner city. Similar to other conversations we've had during the reflection, I think it would be really helpful if you're listening to this episode now to stop if you haven't and listen back to the episode we did with Joy. Yeah, go Go back, go Go back. back. Episode we did with Joy a year ago now because some of the things we're going to be talking about today very much touch on and continue from conversations we had with Joy last year when Terraformed was launched. So Joy, thank you so much for joining us. Well, and um, thank, thank you for inviting me back. It feels like a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. And when you asked me to come back and reflect on reflect on the book, and I started to think about, well, Terraformed came out in May 2020 at the start of the first lockdown. Imagine, mm-hmm. we're talking about the first and the second lockdown, but here we go. And what was really interesting for me was that the two of you, Tiso and Chantel, you, you were the first two people that I'd spoken to about the book. It was the first discussion that I'd had and up until I submitted it I did the edits you know you kind of go through this process but I hadn't read the whole thing again until I spoke to the whole well you know they're going to be asking me things I better you know get my head in this and read all of the chapters and so to have that opportunity so early on the book wasn't quite out yet when we spoke I think it was coming out coming out in a few weeks so I had that opportunity to talk about what was what is shall we say, unusual <laughs> academic text. <laughs> unusual. I'm going to say it. I'm going to go for unusual. Some people have said it's strange. Some people have said that it's a very weird book. Um, some people have said Who that... Who said that? <laughs> yeah. Who said that? It's weird. It's it is yeah. a weird, Names, a weird please, book. Joy. One person said, why is she talking about town planning? She keeps talking about town planning. But then other people have said, you know, it's uh, the one, one of the ones that stick in my mind is about uh, being a potent mix of love and rage. And... That's the place that I was writing from. I, I was writing, I think I said to you at the time, when I started writing the book, I was was in a state, a, a kind of deep grief and wanting to know where to put it and what to do with it and trying to, you know, connect these dots to make some of these patterns make sense. And so if it is a strange book, I accept that. I'm happy with that. The town planning, we needed the town planning mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that some more. And since then until quite recently, every um, event that I've done around the book has been has been online. I had this really strange experience where I was talking to people about this book that was quite personal in some ways, talking to people that I'd never met, haven't been able to meet since. It's quite a hard feeling to describe, to talk about your work with various people. And so then 
I thought I would do is let me go and make a list of what I did to talk about this book in the last year. And it was two pages worth. Mm-hmm. And my usual mode of operation is busy. This is exceptional, even for me. I couldn't, when I listed it out, the talks, the podcasts, the interviews, the articles. And I think that's one of the things that lockdown did for me. It made me really think about how I use my time. When we first spoke last year, I was couldn't read anything, couldn't write anything, had no creative spark. And then something just kind of switched on along the way and I just started and didn't stop. I don't necessarily think that's a good thing, however. <laughs> but that's that's how it is. I mean, it was pretty much month, every month doing something around this book. Hearing how it connected with people has been, um, yeah, a bit astonishing in a lot of ways. I didn't know that that any of that was going to happen. Can I just suggest? Can I just suggest quickly the people that said the book was weird? Like, <laughs> fuck you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fuck you. Because the book for me and T, I know we were sort of talking as we were reading it, as we as we do when we have guests come on and they were talking about their book. I cried at various times mm. reading it. I thought it was it's one of the most beautiful books that I've read over the past few years. I think it very much belongs within texts like Christina Sharp, uh, Sadia Hartman, purposeful, poetic and loving ethnographies of life. But, so people that say it's weird, I'm sorry, but what dry what but, dry you know, books you know, you know, are you, you know, reading? Listen, listen. I know which dry books you're reading. Listen, listen, listen. You see, they, see them people there? They're not, they're not reading it in the same way. No. But for me, when I when I first read it, I read it as I, I'm reading it from like someone from the ends. They understand, right? You're telling about where you live, where I live. So you're seeing it through my eyes, right? And it's that perspective that's always been missing from academia. So when I read that, yeah, it connects to me because not only does it mix the structural things, but it, it, it talks about in your the way you use language. It's in a way that it's knowledge is conveyed for everyone. When most these academic texts, that like these dry ones that people read, the epistemologies are for like a small, a small group of people. It's esoteric. It's, that, to me, that's that's not good writing, man. But I also think part of it is that they're not able to bring what what yeah, scholars yeah, like Joy yeah, are yeah, able I'm, to bring to scholarship. So for me, it's just interesting that that would be the. Well, it's not interesting. It makes sense to me that they would say that. It's just like you you can't do this. You see, like the chapter why music matters. Mm, you see, for me, I felt that. Because it does matter, right? That's like the kind of soundtrack to your life. From our point of view, from a certain age group, if you're going to raise or you're from the sound systems or from the shubs, music is key to your life. And to, to, for people that can't really understand that, well, you just haven't lived that life. But this book gives you a, a slice of it mm. to show you why it's, why it's so important. Do you know what was really heartening for me? I did my first in real life event at the beginning of July. I did it for New and Word Festival. Mm. So I did this um, in-person book launch. It had to be socially distanced, so there weren't that many people there. But I invited some um, young Newham residents to, to be on the panel. There were four of them, and they came. And when they when they spoke about terraforms, they said what what both of you have said. They said, you know, lifelong Newham residents, for someone to take the time and the care to write about our lives in this way, you know, how how things got to be this way. For someone to put that much effort in, it really means something. I was really taken aback. I had, did have to kind of steady myself for a moment. <laughs> that they were these, they were these young people, that, and one of them actually said, "You know, thank you for writing this, because you articulated what I've been trying to say for a long time, but I didn't have the words." Mm. And that was the point. That was mm. the point. The point was not not for me to speak on behalf of anybody, but to lay things out in a way so that people could pick up whatever it was. 
they thought they needed and make it work for them. That was the point. Those of us who were from those places, we don't need people to speak for us. We need people to listen to what we've been saying all along. And sometimes we need a different language to do that. Mm. So that that's what I was trying to do. And so it kind of made it all worthwhile, the kind of um, some of the moments about have I done the right thing? <laughs> people asked, I got asked this question a lot um, about the personal and um, academic work, about including yourself in in, in academic work. This, really, this question annoys me. But it can't, it comes up a lot, and and I think how could I leave myself out? Exactly. How do, how do I leave myself out of it when I'm writing about a life that is not my life, but I have been part of that life before? I'm not a young, I'm not a young person, in the, mm. but I am in the inner city. Mm. I you know I have lived in these places forever. I have got that thought in the past and in the present as well because I write about contemporary black British music, but I'm not from that generation. Mm. I'm from a different generation. So if I can't put myself in there, then what am I saying? What mm. am I saying? And who am I saying it to? Who am I writing for? So yeah, it's the, the response on the whole has been positive in places that I didn't expect it from. And the outliers, the, peop the people that demand I come and explain themselves to their writers group or whatever, the people that say, oh, you've got that all wrong, in a kind of sideways way, mm. you know, in a kind of shady way, or I've misunderstood certain things or haven't, you know, then that's fine. That's fine as well. Because as I was saying to you earlier, once the work's out there, how people respond to it, that's fine with me. And it's interesting as well that other work on similar topics gets taken up in different ways. But just saying things how it is, like you are someone that has a personal relationship with the subject matters within the book, but also you are a black woman scholar saying really important things that we should be taking note of and that is contributing substantially to this canonical type of work, I believe. And I think that there is something about other scholars wanting to question that I think people just show themselves, to be honest. I'm sorry that you've had some of that, but just know that there are so many of us, like Tiso and I. This is the whole point now. I think it's about pushing back against academia. These yeah. Pushing them against the discipline that wants to kind of decenter yourself. Why would you do that? Yeah. To me, it doesn't make sense. Like, I'm talking about stuff that I know about, right? And I'm just layering upon... Like the other bits I've read. But, al but also I think they feel threatened by scholarship like Terraformed. I said last year, Joy's definition of neoliberalism mm. and its impact on young black people in the city, I think is one of the best definitions I've ever seen. Mm. I can't be the only one that's seeing it in that way. And there is a kind of an academic resistance. It's like our ways of talking about our lives because it is a level that they can't get to. And this thing about, you know, how things have always been done, mm. whatever that is, yeah. in, in whatever sector, where well, surely one of the things, one of the many things that being in this state of pandemic for however long must have told us that how it's always been done doesn't work. Mm. We can't do things like that anymore. And what's the point of scholarship if it stays on the shelf, the scholarship, it has to be out there. It's mm. got to be public. It's got to, it's, you know, I'm not making any grand claims for my work, but the work, it, the academic work is supposed to make a difference. It's supposed to make some change somewhere, even if it means that it changes one person's way of thinking or way of looking at the world. But 
if it just stays on the shelf and it's not out there, not out there in 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 um in the public domain, if it's not being shared, you know, via um podcasts or other means, then how do we how do we get people to understand um and interpret and critique the world that they're that they're living in, or do we just want to keep people in ignorance? But I think that's part of the project, isn't it? To mm. keep to keep um, people ignorant of um, systems and how they work and institutions and how they work so that we can pick out individual instances of racism, for example, and say that person is a bad person because they said those terrible things on social media. But actually, um, we need to look at, well, how is it all right? How did that person feel all right to say mm-hmm. all of those things? What What's at play here? And why is that okay? And why did that person think, well, yeah, everyone's going to be behind me because it's common sense, isn't mm-hmm. it? We can say all of these things about some football players. Yeah. Because your sense of belonging and whether you belong and whether you're a citizen, if you're a person of colour, is wholly dependent on whether you play, literally play the game. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then everything can rain down on you. That's fine. We need to be looking at those systems as well as the individual that says the terrible things on mm-hmm. on, on Twitter. But not having these forums, not having these ways of getting the, the, the scholarship out there keeps people in a, in a state of not knowing and that's that, that doesn't help anybody. But I think within in marginalised communities, there's a, a kind of hunger for this knowledge. And I suppose when Bacardi's work, mm. the idea of the mum pain, mm. to explain away this feeling. Like, I don't know what this feeling is, but works like Terraformed, like, it, it explains, helps you, helps you to understand what that feeling is and pinpoint it and, and, and show you what the kind of structural underpinnings of it are. And rather than the alternative, the alternative is when people lurch into conspiracy. And, and this has been one of the big pushbacks I've been getting. So, like I said, with my own work looking at Drill, and speaking to people a lot of what i come across is a lot of conspiracy and i might direct them to your work and because your work is accessible they will read that and and because it's written by another black person they're more likely to read it but it's important to have that kind of scholarship out there because, it, yeah. yeah and i think t that's such an interesting point because i think before our conversation with joy um or after our conversation with Joy, actually, the conspiracy stuff has like <laughs> Just gone is, has gone through the roof, and we've been trying to find ways to kind of create resistances to that for the people mm. within our lives, like help people like to make sense of how to come out of conspiracies. We've got conspiracies. Then we also had like Black Squares um, corporate mm. responses to Black <laughs> yeah, Lives yeah, Matter. Yeah. So we had like, so I feel like that's why I'm so glad that yeah. you've come back on the show, Joy, because there's been actually a lot of things that mm-hmm. happened that again, like coming back to what you just said, T, about Joy's book, what the, one of the reasons why the definitions that you, the, the definition that you give about neoliberalism is so strong is because you track that the decades and decades of what neoliberalism has, has done to our communities and how that's stripped back so much whether it's welfare support, like space, education, poverty, and brought us to where we are now. And I think that, I know we we were talking to Alana Lenton about this on the show a couple of weeks ago. When we're talking about young people now and their lives, we have to consider all these things that are built up to this point. We have to go back, we have to go back what Joy does in the book to where we were and how we've got here. Um, 
and that's important because it's 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 there's similarities mm. to let's say the 80s for example but it's different because we're in this hyper well you were you were talking the other day about the death of neoliberalism wasn't it yeah well, yep. this author, authoritarian capitalism, capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. we're in covid19 social media like everything is it just feels like the book was so well timed but equally there's so many things that have now happened post the book that it's like do you know do you know what i mean i know it's it's because um i'd almost forgotten the black squares mm-hmm. i'd almost yeah, forgotten sorry. the black squares sorry sorry i was go on. you know i was gonna add right i think one of the things we didn't touch upon or we didn't touch upon at the time when we spoke last time was the advent or the or becoming more noticeable black conservatism Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they would kind of see the book as not really talking to their experience, right? And because their voices resonate with what's kind of populism at the moment, it kind of downplays our our lived experience, but also your analytical experience on top of that. To sort of conclude your um, question slash point, Nerti, I think that the black conservatives reading Joy's book would be like, yeah, we just need to try harder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I tried harder. Look, I went. Yeah. Look, I went. To, I went to this school. Mm. I got this scholarship. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, it, yeah, I suppose the politics of aspiration, mm-hmm. aspiration, and and so all of that work about well, what are some communities lacking in order to go up the ladder to be mobile? And I suppose for some people, if they take certain steps and they get to that level of success, that place that they think they should be in, that they are, then, yeah, it would be fairly straightforward, I suppose, to interpret that as um, effort, hard work, discipline, um, right family structure and so on, and to not recognise luck, um, structures, systems, and a political setup that is not designed for people from the working classes, mm-hmm. however um, they define themselves racially or ethnically. It's not set up for the working class to live good lives or succeed, especially in the last 30 or 40 years. And now, now it's just rampant. It's just out there. It's just obvious for everybody to see the the levels of cronyism. Grab what you can, steal as much as you can, steal it in plain sight, in fact, mm. you know, from the people that are paying for it. And then say, oh, it's all fine. And then bring in another, bring in another. Um, Guido Hardin. Yeah, it's one from the Bullingdon Club yeah. now has come to, to supervise the um, investigation into ethics. Yeah. So they brought in another mate, another friend, another somebody they went to school with, someone they went to university with and so on. And it's just there in our face, obvious, clear as clear as day. And, um, and somehow out of that, people can formulate a story that, you know, it was hard work that got me here and nothing else. <laughs> but you see, there's an argument saying that we've moved from neoliberalism into what we call authoritarian, authoritarian capitalism. So it's that kind of naked capitalism that doesn't respect the norms that we come used to. So transparency, uh, responsible government, all those kind of things that, that we kind of expected. Statesmanship. But, yeah, that yeah. we, that oh, we yeah, expected. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> right. But um, so... Given that they're, if we're working from the premise that like the rules of the game have changed, how do we fight back in those spaces where, for example, where music, where the street, where music it's formulated and it, it grows, where those things don't really exist as they used to, where they've changed? Mm-hmm. So, for example, 
if kids are making music in the online space. The online space is a corporatized space. So how does that affect our, our cause for solidarity? And, ama- and emancipatory politics, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It has become, or it seems, it seems to have become, finding ways to divide people, even in those community and creative spaces and practices. So a way of keeping people apart and the authoritarian bit of, well, if you're not doing it as I say, in the way that I say, that kind of, you know, well, they lock them up, mm-hmm. lock them up, give them give them longer sentences or take them off the street and make them stay inside or keep them offline. Or if they're allowed online, they're only allowed online in certain ways, in ways that, that, that suit us. And I think it, come, it comes back to my earlier point about, you know, keeping people without knowledge and keeping people without that kind of deeper understanding of what's going on. And so that's when there's this kind of lapse maybe into um, the conspiracy type, because you, you can feel and see mm-hmm. that something's going on, but haven't quite got a way of um, explaining it. So it's, it's, it is quite easy then to step into this kind of, well, there's a whatever it is. It's all part of the same the same point. And the, the, the beauty of these discussions is that that can happen, that mm-hmm. kind of, we're going to start with this point, but then we're going to talk about this. And that kind of working it out, mm-hmm. bringing it together, thinking deeply about things, yeah. that's the point, isn't it? And, mm-hmm. and if people don't have an opportunity or a space to do that in, then you do get these silos or these pockets of, well, someone's controlling this or they're controlling the clouds or there's chemtrails or there's mm-hmm. this or there's that, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You get all of that. And there isn't, without that community that in a in its broadest sense of that people being able to come together and talk and share and discuss and work these things out, then how do you get to a point where you do get that understanding that actually listen, they're playing us, you know, <laughs> they're stealing our stuff. Yeah. They're, ste- they've got, they're literally putting the swag in it, you know, and running out the door with our stuff. And we're watching mm-hmm. in real time. Mm-hmm. But it's the classic well look over there you know we're looking over there when right there they're stealing our stuff and all of the what you talked about the rules and the norms of mm-hmm. the, and the ways of operating the so-called democratic p- principles that's all getting slung in the bin as well mm-hmm. and we're watching all of that well we're not watching because we're getting distracted by black squares mm-hmm. i don't know but, or whatever it is but <laughs> this is i think i think what bell hooks talks about the kind of oppositional gaze right i think as a marginalized group we were always aware that the rules of the game are rigged. But it's about having to, it's about kind of realizing that our knowledge is valuable. So we, we, we could tell you that this game was rigged. We can tell you how it's been, how it's so, how it's so bad. We've been telling you. We've been telling you. But the thing is, you're still, you're still excluding our voices. And, and, in or t- you're picking the or, voices that suit your agenda. What, I don't even Tony Seal. Yeah, but even when you pick them, they're not even saying it, it's rigged. They're just saying it doesn't exist. Thinking about um, the Black Lives Matter renewed uprisings last year, we saw a record amount of young people, families, everyone around the world sort of coming out and, yeah, making the statement to say that black lives do matter. Like, we saw some amazing movement building that I I very much believe is still happening and going now. Like, if we're just talking about some sort of more progressive utopian things that have been happening, because that has been happening whilst Mm. the same time all this 
awful shit has been going on that we've just been talking about. Anyway, what do you think about our kind of histories in terms of black community organizing, but also how much death and suffering we have seen um, at the hands of the state to our communities and how we have not necessarily been able to gain that kind of momentum in the past. So I'm thinking about some of the some of the sort of portraits that you give within Terraformed about um, young black men um, who and and women obviously who were killed who have been killed by the police or died in custody. Like I think when we had when we had Paul Gilroy on the show, he said that he felt that to some extent his generation had not done enough to make these um, stories and voices um, reach the, our mainstream consciousness of understanding of who we are and what we, we what we should still continue to be fighting. Watching what happened after the murder of George Floyd, it was amazing to see so many people energized, but equally there's on a localized, from a localized point of view, this stuff isn't necessarily new and we have very much local stories and violences like this that have been perpetuated by the state onto our communities for, for, for decades. And obviously you capture this so well in the book. And yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because I feel like a year on for me, for me, I'm just sort of thinking, how do we keep these names? How do we keep these stories in the forefront or how can we bring them into the forefront? I went to ICA. <gasps> War, War in Ababalon, Abad- 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 yeah. Um, last week, I went to that. So just holding in mind, um, what you said about well, how do we how do keep we keep these histories? Tell these histories. Let people know that this this is what happened, and that's it's it's worth saying. It was quite difficult. It's quite difficult. Um, yeah, because uh, Stafford Scott was there, so he was taking us on a on on a, on a tour of of the exhibition, and he was talking to these kind of still pictures on the wall. And if you were around in that time, and I was around in that time then these are quite difficult spaces to reimagine and think about again. And I agree with Paul Gilroy that um, our generation maybe hasn't done enough, hasn't said enough. But it's actually quite painful, you know. It's actually quite painful to remember some of the everyday practices that, you know, we we just experienced on a, on a kind of day-to-day, on a day-to-day level. And so I suppose that... Um, for some of us, once we got to a point where we didn't have to think about it in that way anymore and and changes had been made in terms of legislation and all these kinds of things. But yeah, maybe, maybe, and and, and part of the um, terraformed was to try and address a very small part of that to make those connections between the struggles of the past and the struggles that young people are experiencing now there's also that kind of um, migrant perspective, I suppose. My parents came here from from somewhere else, and so they come with that perspective that each generation is supposed to do better than the last. And because they'd made this journey and we were here, well, you're English, aren't you? You're born here. And couldn't really get to grips with the idea that actually it isn't, it wasn't, it was better in some ways, but it was so, so much more difficult in so many other ways. And knowingly or unknowingly, my generation, the ones that were born and grew up here or came here very young, we kind of did the same thing that each generation, you're, you're doing better than us because, 
I don't know, you've got more things, you've got access to more opportunities, it must be better for you. And so coming to that understanding, and that was one of the questions that um, when I did that, the online book launch, one of the questions was, well, you know, why didn't we know? <laughs> why didn't we know? And these are these are difficult things to say, difficult thing, difficult um, spaces to occupy. And um, and I, but I think what's happening now is that we've had the big moments, the big moments with Black Lives Matter and the protests and what. But though that resistance is still going on in different ways, maybe on a smaller scale, and at some point it will all connect together again that's just me being mm-hmm. ever hopeful yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. it's my natural way yeah. of being i'm sorry but no, you know like, like but hope. i but i think because i one of the things that um came out of this lockdown period for me was this kind of well i i say i'm being actively hopeful but how am i being actively hopeful so i've been doing some work with a small social enterprise run by a young woman who's only just 20 um trying to tackle youth violence in newham newham's got a very um yeah, it's got it, it's got some challenges in terms of um, young people and, you know, how um, how life is for them. And she's really trying to do do something about it. So I've been do you I've want to plug, been, do you want to plug the it's your life, more life mm. and your life, more life, your life, more life. And so to see this young woman, um, Shanae Oldham, do all of this stuff and the board, <laughs> I don't think any of them are older than 24 or something. And. So I do I do what I can and I think I don't think I'm exceptional that's the point I'm getting to I don't think I'm exceptional I don't think I'm unusual I think there there's lots of this going on um across the generations in all these different pockets the thing is that how do we Link connect it. it together I, I don't know I, I yeah. think I think well, I think your presence there Joy is the point like yeah. that's that's the, that's you you're a link to a part to a part of British past that they can't really understand and they will never really understand but you could it, it kind of gives them a kind of context like that there's a dynamism in young people mm. that I see now and especially with that in, with the kind of the post Black Lives Matter like it's it's there they're different like this football team is different and like even before we look at the even the racial aspect look how they carry themselves there's no one getting pissed like Gaza but these guys carry themselves as true sportsmen right representing what they were right about being anti-racist etc etc but these young people seem different and there's a dynamism but i think where we plug in is like you 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 have an experience of this country experience of systems and you can kind of point them well kind of highlight the way to them like there's this there's this out there there's these things out there and they're quite they're quite welcome they're quite receptive to these kind of things and i think that's the story that's the joined up thing because when i speak to my dad now and i'm speaking to my dad about his experience because i said like there's a you've for when he came over his mom died on the plane so when he when he arrived there were four kids had to look after themselves now in a foreign country and their kids but i said there's a success story there somewhere you've managed to do all this in a foreign country from a child looking after yourself tell me what happened tell me your story and in in telling that story you there's an understanding what the system was and where it is now and it's understanding that genealogy I think that's I think that's such a good point here and just sort of bridging those two things that you've just so your response to me joy about talking about going to war in a Babylon at ICA everyone it's on till September make sure you go if you can your point about it being like reliving the past and thinking about the past it being painful 
I am so, so sympathetic. And that's like in response to Paul when he said that, I was like, mm. I just feel like there was so much that went on. There's so much trauma there that we haven't quite dealt with. Mm. And then T, you talking about the conversations you've been able to have with your dad. Mm. It is so hard to get yeah. that generation to talk about what they went through. Like, if you ask, if you ask, like, I'd, I'd even ask your mum to or if I'd ask my dad, <laughs> I'd be like, what happened then? He's like, I don't know, don't remember. But you, don't remember. And it's like, you, like, there is a trauma there should, that we that but, is hard to talk about because it was because everyday life yeah. was so difficult. But you know what the madness is? I think how I kind of hit with my dad is I, just, I explain to him the realness. I say to him like, "Listen, I'll tell you about my stuff, how it is for me, but on a real. I'm not going to sugarcoat it because you're my dad now. I'm going to tell you how it was. So what we did. I'm not talking about it's the same, but it's similar. I'm talking about my my time coming up where you're talking about your time coming up." And you can kind of share stories. And there's, there's many points where you kind of think, oh, it's, it's similar. Not the same, but it's similar. Yeah. And you're doing similar things. And in me and my dad's case, two young black men at different points in time, alone in the system. And you're you're doing it without your parents and you're just kind of working your way around. So you're encountering, you're both encountering the police, but at different points in time. You're both encountering the state. You're both working at how to work, at, work your way through the system. And so when I'm talking about that and then, it's quite interesting how he sees things because he's not had the academic side of it. So he's just interpreting it as, as he's encountering it and for his own readings. And I think he was involved in Rastafarianism at a young age. So all that comes into it. But then the difference was like, you came here and you knew you was a foreigner. Mm. I'm born here and I was told I'm not a foreigner. But yet I've been told I am a foreigner. Mm. I said, do you know how mad that is? Yeah. I said, the first, I said it, messes, it messes your head. Because all the time you're encountering people, I'm from, I don't know anything else. And when I do go back to where you consider home, I definitely don't feel at home there. And even though you're telling me I'm from there, people, I don't feel like I'm from there. So you end up in a funny position where you're thinking, I know I'm from here, but people tell I'm not from here. But when I go back home, I definitely know I don't feel from here. So where am I from? But you reminded me of in Terraformed when Joy talks about encountering everyday life with a young black man walking you talk about that in the book mm. like what that is like to visualize but also wit bear witness to your life and it 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 just it might like listening to you talk then they're yeah, thinking again about um joy talking about this in terraform it just makes me really upset that it is still very much the same mm. yeah and that, it was um it was one of the things that um, one of the panelists said at the the book launch that I did that that I think she would have fitted into the class of ninety one. She just said that it's just the the disappointment that it's no that it's no different. Some things might be different, but the but the disappointment and I think the other unexpected consequence of the terraformed is is one of the things that you're describing, um, Tiso, which is about finding different ways to frame the questions so that we can have those intergenerational conversations that are um, painful, that can be difficult, because who wants to talk about getting stopped by the police and beaten up in the back of a, in the back of a van? You know, you want to present to your children a form of being that's strong and sorted out and mm -hmm. knows what to do and is in control of their life. And you don't want to tell your kids that. You don't want to tell your kids how people how people treated you. You don't want you don't want to tell um, your 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 children how you were disregarded and you know um, in you know treated like a child in front of you know all of these things you know the nicknames 
you know that now people now people talk about political re- correctness gone mad you know that but that was a response to the name calling that everyday way of speaking to people that made people's lives a misery you know there was a reason for it and so it's trying to find a way of putting those things in context without you know reliving the trauma mm-hmm. to have the conversations that make those important points about this is how it was for me and I'm hearing how it is for you and there's power in that and we haven't been able to do that as well as we might so far I think but we will (laughs) we will when we do (laughs) I think one of the things that like I think is well that was a barrier was especially for between me and my dad was the idea of masculinity Mm. so the idea, that, for example, when you talk about those those names being belittled, he's, he does he, for a long time. He didn't present that to me, but I just, I said to him, "Well, that happened to me, you know," and it like it happened to me, and I yeah, it felt a bit shit. But mm. it's not a thing you can. I, I know it must have happened to you because I've seen it happen to other people, and so it's about trying to get past those things that, especially like black masculinity, though I used to present a, a certain like a strength and no weakness. Like I think that's that's a killer for us, man. Mm. And, I do yeah. think in terms of this kind of like the everyday, let's call them like um, microaggressions, negative racialization, racisms, mm. anti-blackness, how it is repro- socially reproduced within our everyday interactions. It's reminding me of, like, I think, I, I think it, you, what you're talking about in terms of masculinity, yes, but I also think it transcends masculinity as well because it prompted me to think of when um, a few minutes ago Joy said about I think it was someone on the panel said um, why didn't you tell us mm. it's the thing that came up the most in my intergenerational conversations in my PhD between yeah. um, black parents and their children was why didn't you tell us Listen, I, I spoke to my mum about this right anyway, I spoke to my mum and my dad and I spoke to one of my aunts an older like they're probably in the 80s right and they said their response, and I, generally, after speaking to it, is like they couldn't put it into words, mm-hmm. they, because they didn't really understand it themselves. And my mum, my mum was a bit more honest. She said, "I didn't have the knowledge to explain it to you because I didn't really understand it myself." So you're just you're just going through it and making the best of what you can for. In my mum's case, which is raising by herself, the best as she can as a single mother. So she's just doing it DIY on the mm-hmm. spot as she goes, yeah. and she says, "I'm just hoping." that what what I'm putting into you works. So when you're so when I started doing my madness and going and doing whatever, she's she said like I just hoped that what I said to you would, would, yeah. would stick. And sometimes it did. And sometimes I was just lucky. Yeah. I was just lucky. Me and my pals were just lucky. I liked that Joy mentioned about luck. Yeah, it's hundreds yeah. yeah. of about that. It's we luck. don't talk about luck yeah. enough, do we? No, Some, sometimes stuff. sometimes you just get a Listen, just you get, get a, you get a blind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, it is, and it is that thing where people don't say it out loud. They they give you the, the, the kind of, you know, I did this, I did that, like it was some linear process. And it's it's not always, it's not always that way. And I think the, the point about didn't have the, the language, I think that sometimes people of that generation, it was shrouded in in things like you have to work twice as hard or those kinds of messages or make sure you get your receipt or mm. if you don't know where it came from, you know, put it back. Or if you don't know where the person... So the messages were there, but maybe not 
laid out in this kind of way yeah. of and so we yeah we're, we're kind of getting to a point where we, we are lacing those things together i think we're lacing those things together mm. and it will all it will start to make sense yeah. and i think that because the set the sense of belonging that you spoke about tiso because i was born i was born here you know um my parents my parents came came here from jamaica but i w- i was born here i'm the youngest of 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 five children i've only ever lived here i've only ever lived in london i've never lived anywhere else and yet that sense of belonging that sense of citizenship is still partial it's still contingent and that's the point i was making the response to the uh, the the people who missed the penalties the response to that it's just we're all on the same team we're all on our side we all belong together up until the point that you don't do hmm. or behave in a way that we deem fit and then it can be Take it can be way. removed and um i'm going to sound really old now but it's okay I, it was my birthday on sunday Happy so birthday. yeah so Happy i birthday. went i went to brighton for the day because oh, i haven't lovely. seen the sea for 18 i haven't seen the sea for 18 months i thought yeah yeah we'll go to brighton so you know road trip we get on a train we're going to brighton uh, but we'd planned that before realizing that the, the finals were going to be on that day i didn't know and who told me to wear a red and white tracksuit so there i am in my red and white colors heading down and it was fine going down mm. But coming back, all the trains were cancelled because most of the drivers had disappeared. Mm. So it took a long time to come back. By the time I get to Stratford, people are coming home now, aren't they, from the game that hasn't gone well. And it really was like being in the 1970s. Really? The, 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 like that again. the, the vibe. Ter- it was, it was a, a feeling was of... And then the language starts. And so I thought, usually I would walk from Stratford to my house and I thought, mm, it's... I'm going to get on this bus. I'm not going to walk. I'm going to get on this bus. I got on the bus and a, a, a young black woman got on behind me and she was raging. She was talking to somebody on her phone and somebody had called her names as she was going to shove her out of the way and called her names on the station. And she was so angry. And then she was upset. So she's telling her friend and I, that, that mixture of rage and upset. And it just took me back to being a, back to being 18 or 19 again where because she was saying I should have spun her I should have spun her I shouldn't have, you know I shouldn't have just left it like that she was so upset because this person called their names and when she challenged her, oh I didn't mean you mm. so then you think I've made a mistake so all of those thoughts and because she was um, saying all of this out loud and I was just sitting there and thinking we can't go back here we can't go back here we can't we can't we can't be in those places again and if we continue on the road we're talking about authoritarian um populism if we continue on this road that we're on that's where we're going or that's maybe where we are now and i'm just being a bit um ignorant to it but it it was a horrible horrible feeling a horrible feeling i experienced what you kind of what you kind of talk about joy i was angry i was so angry about that we were in this in this space that the team that were playing represented the England, like we, there was two Englands there. The team that was playing was representing the England that we want to see, mm. that we're talking about here. But the the, the 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 crowd, the nation was the England of the past. And mm. it, it, and it's it, it, funny that this game of football had been evolved into the directions of this, where we, where we want this nation to be. This, it's no longer about the game. It's anymore. another proxy, but I think we, yeah. have, we I think we've got a variety of these. Like, obviously, this podcast is is Republican through and through. <laughs> but you see the proxies of the the Euros of Harry and Meghan 
oh, like all these different kind of popular like we're the three of us are all very interested in popular culture and how that mm. plays out within how nationalism yeah. is organized these things are important yeah uh, they, they become proxies of what we're up against but you see mm. and it's it's in the kind of that pithy i suppose pithy catchphrase that breaks it like to go back to go back to what they want to go back to but is this what you want to go back to? Yeah. And for me, I, it makes me feel it makes me feel so angry because in my own case and probably all of us is we've studied your canon. We've read your we know it back to front. But yet you won't even give us a chance, man. Like it that's what upsets me. And you're claiming that you know your country, you love your country. It, it, you don't know you, it. You don't know mm. it. You don't know it. I know it from my point of view, but also your point of view. And you're not willing to take, not even willing to listen to what I have to say. Like, just stop doing this. Stop talking. Yeah, stop, <laughs> stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop talking. But, but yeah, stop it, talking. It made me so angry. And but any black person I spoke to, the response, everyone like, yes, we you knew it was gonna come. Yeah. Any black person you spoke so to, I couldn't watch. So I didn't watch. I, I didn't watch, watch it. Penalty, I, I, watch. I do very much like football. Um, <laughs> hand, hands in the air. But equally, as soon mm. as I saw that who was taking the penalties I was like yeah, it's, game gonna, it's game over <laughs> it was it was biz, it was bizarre because I was traveling back and so this was happening as a kind of moving picture mm. every train station we stopped that you could hear the cheers mm. or not from the crowd outside mm. and then it was getting darker and darker yeah. literally darker because mm. the light was fading but the kind of the feeling was getting more and more somber as you went along so what started off as a kind of afternoon in the sun people happy and it just, and so yeah. By and the, the rain started, the, as and well. then the rain started to come. So by Hell. then, it was it was it was it was it was a, a movie I didn't want to be yeah, in. It was a yeah, madness. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But like I said to you, if you spoke to any black person, they would say like, it's it's obvious. You could feel it coming, right? Yeah. I was traveling, but during the happy point, I was I was moving <laughs> around and people being so happy to me, and, and I can see people. But there's a there's a kind of a venom that sits behind that happiness. Mm. So when I'm hearing them being happy and joy they're not they're not being joyous they're smashing stuff up i was in chingford people just people people i know are naked i'm like bro (laughs) (laughs) but but again but again and and i'm trying to explain to him now i said i said do you understand what i mean by white privilege i said look if i took my clothes off in the street i'm getting put i'm getting sectioned or put in prison and i'm like that's a madness how did we go It's Sorry, my Joy. it's it's my fault. It's my fault. Yeah. I, 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 I brought up Sorry, I brought up football yeah. and Sorry, banter Sorry. Sorry, and Sorry. laddish. But yeah, 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 is it yeah. laddish? But yeah, 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 yeah. but the, yeah. And <laughs> what's what what behaviour is is um, acceptable and sanctioned mm-hmm. depending on who does it. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, and how literally the 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 shape, the sound, the tone of something can change within. It was a couple of hours, wasn't mm-hmm. it, from start mm-hmm. to finish. Mm-hmm. And then within minutes, we have the kind of racial racial slurs come back. So, yeah. But it's, imagine it's, it's the fact that people are shocked. Like my man's people say, oh, I'm shocked. And then you, when you get some of the responses, they say, oh, I thought he was a normal guy. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? Like, this is, this is standard. This is normal. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things that surprised me the most was how, how Terraformed has been taken up. And so A-level geography. Lovely. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. Really, a, yeah. yeah. So there's an anti-racist geography curriculum group mm-hmm. and they've uh, they've um, looked at it. They've made these suggestions where you can link different parts of the book to different bits of the syllabus, I thought. Mm. And then That's I did so this cool. talk at a secondary school in um, Newham and they've 
um, adopted it for their year sevens, again, geography, and it's for, um, and also as part of their bigger picture, looking at how to decolonize the geography curriculum by looking at um, Terraform. So that was that. Pick up joy. Come on, Terraform. I'm not astonished. That's what it should be. That's incredible. But equally, like, Mm. we shouldn't be surprised because it is so, it's written so clearly and it connects so many things. Like, there must be kids reading it being like, oh, yeah. 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 But but I think from a, like, when you're in the end, you don't, I think you encounter geography, but you don't think it is that. So I'm from this part of the flats. So when I first started going out, you could only play on the top floor can't go downstairs mm. so there's geographies of boundaries and understanding certain spaces mm. but you don't understand it as such you just know i can't go to that can't go across the road i can't go to those mm. block of flats yeah or i can't go to that postcode because for whatever reason <laughs> ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh joy thank you so so much for joining us that was absolutely brilliant what a privilege to have you on again joy, joy can big, we bring on next year joy <laughs> annual joy annual joy, <laughs> annual joy white reasoning <laughs> love it yeah, yeah. No, it was um yeah it's, it's it's it was because i don't think until i spoke to the two of you i don't think i've done a podcast before really i don't think so i'm trying natural. to remember i don't think so and then after that i'd and and so yeah this that was it was one of my it was was one of my favorite things Aww. to do <laughs> so and i but and, and and i was listening more often afterwards as well <laughs> so yeah Thank you so much for joining us, Joy. And thank you, listeners, for continuing to support us. <laughs> you can take them off. <laughs> you can take them off. You can take them off. You can take them off. Thank you for continuing to support us. You'll notice that the episodes each week, we're not necessarily following a clear-cut pattern, but you are over the summer getting a combination of the Reflection series and also the main Surviving Society episode. So, yeah, thank you so much, and we'll see you again soon. See you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the T's and C's with T and Chantel. You can now continue the conversation with us on Twitter and Instagram.